The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hello and welcome to the Yellow Block on the TalkSport Fan Network. We're back to winning ways as we beat nine-man Cheltenham, but we couldn't beat ten-man Bolton. Joining me to discuss the last couple of weeks is Jared. Good evening, sir. Good. And I've also got Sam here as well. <laughs> Good evening, Tim. How you doing, mate? You well? Yeah. Yeah, I'm all right. I'm, I'm sitting here in the, uh, as we were discussing just before we came on air, the 2006 England England kit. We we're discussing which player it makes you think of most, and Jared said Peter Crouch. So I, I don't know whether to be to be happy or offended by that. Yeah, I said Peter Crouch, and then promptly left the uh, left the stream. So that was this is exactly what happened. Yes, yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, I'm just sat in my pajamas, desperately waiting to go to bed, having been awake for about what feels like 400 hours. It feels like every episode, all I do is moan about how tired I am. Well, 400 hours is a long time, to be fair. <laughs> well, I may have exaggerated slightly. I take everything take. everyone says, literally. <laughs> Give or take. It might be 350 hours. I don't know. I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, I did. Uh, so I sent a, a message to the group chat. At, I think it was about half two this morning because I was working. Did you? And I was. I did. And I and I. and the reason I did this, it was part of an experiment because I wanted to see what every what uh, time everybody read it. Now, I sent this message at, let me find it. Here we go. 0208. Uh, no, 0206. Uh, yeah, so I was, uh, I said I was on night. So who do you think was awake first and read this message? Uh, and I'll, uh, yeah, who do you think? Jared. No, Jared was actually the last person to read the message <laughs> <laughs> in keeping with his internet history this evening, it seems. He was, uh, yeah, no, it wasn't. It was actually a tie, incredibly. Both yourself and producer Danny read this at 6.13 this morning. Which is odd. Were you and Danny sharing a bed last night, or busted? Yeah, that's very odd that you'd both read it at the exact same time, though. That's 
slightly strange. But anyway, an early start for you this morning, it seems. Yeah, yeah. Well, life with a, a four-year-old and a two-year-old, I guess, and two-year-old who doesn't sleep. So um, I was just clearly really keen to see what you had to say, Tim. That's what it was. I mean, this will either be the most dull opening to an episode ever, or people will be intrigued to know what time definitely, Sam Edwards wakes definitely up. Dull. <laughs> definitely dull. The, the first one of those two options is the one. We've answered the age-old question of what time does Sam Edwards wake up in the morning? Uh, we found that. Uh, Jared's back. Good evening, Jared. Um, welcome to the stream and, and welcome to the episode. Good evening, chaps. How are you both? What has happened to your hair? Now, I was uh, just I've thinking been... this. <laughs> Have you been to Turkey? What is going on here? <laughs> No, I've just not cut it. I, I look like Sam Edwards, just um, a lot fatter when he was during lockdown. You've got a long way to go, Jared, before that bouffant. Listen, it's coming along. It's coming along. I'll be honest, Jared. I've known you years. I don't think I've. I don't think I recognise you genuinely. You look different to how you were when you were on the on my screen like ten minutes ago before <laughs> your internet dropped out. Well, this is a great I... feature for a podcast where you can't see everyone. <laughs> Yeah, so we've answered a lot there. We've we worked out what time Sam wakes up and we've discussed at length how Jared looks on an audio-only podcast. So, strong start, I feel, to this episode. Um, we've got a message in on SpeakPipe from Frank C. Let's have a listen to this. Howdy, boys. Just thought I'd leave a little note for you following yesterday's shit show at London Road. Um, really disappointed with what was put on in front of the fans um, and for the fans that are calling other fans for not singing can you blame them that'd be my first question um, second thing that I would say is um, Ephraim Mason Clark couldn't beat a drum at the moment let alone a fullback and Harrison Burrows um, still isn't a left back shock horror um, therefore for me your vice captain and your captain being taken off at the same time for what I may add is the second time this season um, I think epitomises what's going on um, with the club. Fully appreciates the development year, but I don't believe um, certain players should still be in the squad. Um, I think there's too much loyalty towards players like Harrison Burrows. I think he needs to be dropped, not just for one game, for a few games, because um, I think he really needs to stand up. Um, players like Josh Knight that have been out for a long period of time epitomises what hard work and endeavour looks like for me. And uh, I think I think the lad's fantastic. I genuinely do believe he is a leader both on the field as well as off it. Um, and I think he would be an ideal candidate for the captain's armbands. It appears to be weigh, uh, weighing heavy on Ephraim Mason Clark. And I'd like your thoughts on that. Oh, thanks for your message, uh, Frank. See, obviously, that was recorded after the Orient game. So that hasn't aged overly well. Uh, the captaincy issue has, which we'll discuss. But uh, Harrison Burrows not being a left-back then went on to make it into League One's Team of the Week after the uh, the Bolton game. Uh, and then, obviously, we've picked up four points in two games. But let's start with that captaincy issue, Sam, because this was this first kind of came to to light really in the, in the Orient game. We got the team sheet out. Um, and Kyoso was announced as captain with our uh, club captain and vice captain uh, being in the starting eleven, but being stripped of their responsibilities. What did you make of this one? It's a tricky one because whenever you see a, a captain changed, and you know any point in the season, it, it are, you know it leads to questions, and, and certainly so early on in the season as well. Um, obviously, Clark Harris having been it, but then. You know, I think I think it's probably right because they were obviously expecting him to go out of the club, not not to be the captain. Um, and Mason Clark was—I mean, I'm sure we talked about it on the pod, and we were we were a bit uncertain, really, in terms of he didn't stand out as a captain-like figure. Um, and and was it that he was just the the sort of last one 
the last one left. I think we talked about maybe Kipriani being a, a good shout as, you know, I mean, central midfielders for me always make good captains because they're here and everywhere on the pitch and not isolated at either end. Um, and, and we know Kios has put in some big performances. So, yeah, maybe it just speaks to, to, to Darren not really knowing who his sort of natural leader is. I mean, there's an argument now Clark Harris is here to sort of give it back to him until January um, because we saw that he could be a good leader Sheffield Wednesday second leg aside of course um you know he really did excel in the in the captaincy role so yeah I think it just it just probably means that maybe we'll see maybe we'll see a bit more of it maybe Darren's not quite set on who his natural leader is in the side yeah and I guess the whole uh Kyoto thing as well seemed to to spark a, a little bit of discontent I guess online around the fact we while well, we get loan players in as captains and so on and so forth uh, Jared, we spoke on the last episode and, and you mentioned about, this was just after the transfer window, you mentioned about how JCH should be nowhere near this squad. Uh, since then, he's he's done what he does and found the back of the net, scoring goals. Uh, and seems to be fair, he seems to have kind of got his head stuck down. Do you, do you kind of go along with what Sam's saying? Should he have the captain's armband? No, I, don't, I still don't think he should be in the team. Um, you know, this is... We're meant to be planning, aren't we, for the future? We, we're saying it's development year. Well, what's the development in in playing Clark Harris at the minute when the club have said he's going to be sold in the summer? So for me, there's just absolutely no point. That might change again when then is it Mother's Sill? Mother's Sill when he comes back to fitness. Hopefully, he'll be then starting. But um, for me, there's no sense in playing Clark Harris now when in January when he does go, we've got a bed in a new strike force. It just I just don't understand the logic. Um, so, yeah, no, for me, again, Kyoso, we said early in the season, you can see he's a natural leader um, and he's he's been, he's been excellent. Um, so, no, I think Kyoso is the right decision. It, it doesn't look good, though, when you've got, um, obviously, the captain, the vice-captain, both not being captain. It, it's, it's very odd. So, as, as something's gone on behind the scenes or it's just Kyoso, the loud voice in the dressing room, it, yeah, it's, it is a strange one. Yeah, it is. And I suppose it kind of has to ask the question, I guess, whether or not we put too much emphasis on a captain and, and what it actually does and whether it's just a bit almost ceremonial now. Because ultimately, if Kyoso was that loud voice, does it really matter whether he's wearing an, an armband or not? And I guess, Sam, kind of picking up on what, what Jared was saying, this is the first time we've spoken since the, the, the deadline day. Um, what did you make of the whole JCH saga? Because Obviously, having media experience, you'll you'll probably have a slightly different take and different view on it. I mean, my main thought is it's just bonkers, isn't it? That they had to get so late. Um, And it's just how football can be sort of full of egos that end up hurting you. Um, And, you know, the fact that they didn't even apply for the extension, um, it's just... I mean, in, in what other walk of life would you necessarily do business like that? Like, you just wouldn't. And and football is, you know, so different from that in so many aspects. So, yeah, it, it at what at the, at the same time it surprises you, it also doesn't. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a real shame. Obviously, it was massively disruptive to the squad that, that Clark Harris was down there um, and then and then has to leave. Um and I like the idea of all the players having gone to bed with Clark Harris also having gone to bed and they wake up and he's not there in the morning and they wonder where he's gone. Um, but yeah, it's a shame for the player. It's a shame for Bristol Rovers. It's a, it's a shame for Posh. But, you know, he's he's come back in and he's, he's scored a goal and, and, and that's great credit to him. Um, but yeah, I think there's questions as well over why the deadline was on a Friday. Um, 
before a round of fixtures on the Saturday. Like at least make it the Thursday before those teams travel to away games. So that certainly didn't help things either. Yeah, it's a it is a weird one. There are um, it's it's reassuring to know that sometimes when you go to bed and wake up and somebody's not there, that they they do come back. Um, any day now, my dad will be back from uh, the shops. I've been told that uh, it can happen. So there's inspiration there for, for all of us. Uh, interesting message, though, from Frank. So I say it didn't age particularly well, um, but we love that kind of thing because it does give us discussion points. Uh, if you do want to leave us a voice message to be played on the show, head over to speakpipe.com forward slash the yellow block and you can record a voice note up to 90 seconds, uh, similar to what Frankie's just done there. Let us know what your thoughts are, and we will play it out on the show. That's speakpipe.com forward slash the yellow block. Let's look at the recent results then. So if we start backwards, Bolton won, Posh won, and this won't be the first time that I'm asking this this evening, Sam. Uh, was it a red card, first of all? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, this one's going to be the easier one of the three, I guess. I mean, we've got you know we've got two yellows to talk for one of them, but for the other straight red, this is <laughs> this was. I mean, it was an horrendous tackle, wasn't it? I've seen a few Bolton fans trying to defend it, but I think surely even they could see that this was just awful. And I saw a couple of posh fans who were in the ground at the time, you know, questioning, thinking that it might be a yellow card, but. You know, I think I think the officials got it spot on. It was it was reckless. It was dangerous and out of control, um, and and absolutely the right call was made. And I th- I'd like to think that if that had gone the other way against Posh, I, I wouldn't be defending it. I'd be saying the same thing. So yeah, got it. They got it right. Uh, in terms of the game itself, though, Sam, it was a. Um... I mean, it, it did change the game, ultimately. Red cards, of course, always do. And it turned into a bit of attack versus defence. So, uh, ended up with, Posh ended up with uh, the lion's share of possession and 26 shots, um, six of which were on target against Bolton's eight shots, three of which were on target. Uh, but Bolton just dug in, didn't they? They were resilient. Um, it was a, you'd have to say it was quite a tough afternoon at the Tough Sheet Stadium. Um, do you think overall 1-1 was a fair result? Um, not, not necessarily. I think we should have, we should have been winning it to be honest. Um, and yeah, I think I still have trauma from when MK Dons went down to nine that December a few years ago and we couldn't, we couldn't come back from one nil down. So I don't necessarily like it when other teams get players sent off because it, it brings back bad memories, but, but yeah, I mean, we, they're the kind of games where you got 45 minutes against 10 men and and I know against 10 men, it's, you know, it's not guaranteed. Of course it's not because as you say, the game changes and they, they, they try and hold on to that point. But yeah, I think it's dis- disappointing for sure that we're, we're not picking up a win there. And it's one of those games where before you're happy with the point in the context of the game afterwards, knowing how it's played out, you're, you're disappointed that that we've not gone and picked up all three. Uh, and Jared, it was um, there was a little bit of criticism around the referee, not so much for the red card, but for the way that the game was managed, particularly around the, the amount of time that was added on or evidently wasn't. And I guess the flashpoint of this was the fact we had a pitch invader quite literally stroll on uh, in injury time. Um, now, as somebody that, that works in crowd management and control you must have been watching the stewards reaction or rather lack of to this uh, it all seemed quite sort of nonchalant let's just have a little walk around the uh, the pitch for about two minutes wasn't it before anyone actually did anything yeah I mean as a fan it was uh, it was amusing weren't it but um, yeah if I was involved in that organisation I'd be absolutely mortified from a security point of view it was horrendous wasn't it I think everyone was just looking at each other to to react and nobody did but yeah um Comical, but embarrassing at the same time. 
and I suppose the the serious point though is well, other than the fact that this you know guy could have meant harm, but in terms of the actual the way the game played out, was the fact that the ref didn't really seem to add that time on. That said, though, our shooting accuracy was poor. So, do you think even if we did have longer and extra time, that we we would have found a winner? Quite possibly not. Like Sam said, when we go, when another team goes down to ten, it's it, sometimes it can make it harder. You know, if the, if the team have got decent quality in the ranks, and um, yeah, again, Bolton sat behind the ball, didn't they? But um, we come close so many times. I think the woodwork got hit many, many times. So yeah, frustrating not to get the win. Yeah, absolutely. And and I guess the other thing as well, Jared, is we there was a few uh, tweaks to that starting lineup and. What we've noticed as well, particularly with this one, is that Randall and Wakelin have dropped out. Now, we we are at that point of the season whereby we'll start to see rotation. But do you think that perhaps what we're seeing now from Fergie is a realisation that maybe Randall isn't quite hitting that level that we hoped? Yeah, I think there was a bit of a plan in the summer to give him a chance. He, he did deserve, he deserves a, you know, a full go. Um, and they've given him that at the start of the season. Um, again, we mentioned the social media and making you know trying to make him a bit of a fan's favorite um so all that was done but yeah his performances haven't quite come off have they it's been it has been disappointing yeah and and one thing as well sam that we've we've kind of seen over these last couple of games and, and obviously we'll talk um orient cheltenham as well but josh knight's come into the, the side um in replacement of Critchlow, and many fans were calling for this. In fact, I think the vast majority of fans were calling for this, and he's he's stepped up to be fair to Knight, and he's been solid since he came back. Yeah, I've I've always I've always liked Josh Knight. I mean, he's a fiery character, and and he's what you need. Now, sometimes that that can be a bad thing um, because you've got the ill discipline, but I think he cares and he puts his heart and soul into it. And he, you know, he he is a player that I think a lot of posh fans think that about as well. Um, you know, we've seen some outstanding performances from him in the championship as a as a lone player. So, yeah, absolutely. I think I think Knight is is someone who I'd have alongside Edwards. You know, Edwards is calm and coolness and just ability to to take all the pressure out of a situation with with one turn or one pass. And you know, Knight can thrive from that because he can do his charging runs forward and 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 be that last ditch tackler as well. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Josh Knight. And jumping back uh, to the game earlier in the week. So posh three Cheltenham nil head into this one with Cheltenham all at sea, really they hadn't scored a goal all season. Manager was uh, rumored to be on his way out prior to the, the posh game. Um, and this all changed. Uh, well, very early on four minutes in uh, down to 10 men. Same question again, then Sam, uh, was it a red card? For me, yes. Um, and I think it's interesting, isn't it, that we've just been talking about, you know, the inability to score past 10 and then we went, you know, we did it so effectively against Cheltenham. Clearly, it makes a big difference when A, you've got so much of the game and B, it's a team who are in horrendous form. And, you know, they obviously went to, um, and they played Stevenage at the weekend and, and still haven't scored and have now set a football league record. And I think you earlier mentioned about the tough sheet stadium at Bolton. I do feel like they kind of deserve it in a way, Cheltenham. I mean, the completely Suzuki stadium, I mean, that is probably up there with the most ridiculous of branded stadium names, isn't it? So they've, they've you know, they've, they've got a lot to answer for. But yes, I thought we <laughs> we we dealt with it. We dealt with it really well. But yes, it was for me. 
So uh, hot off the press, Sam Edwards wants Cheltenham relegated and into administration. Well, I did. I mean, that's a bit. Far. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily go against it, but you know, come on, completely Suzuki Stadium. It's it's up there, isn't it? It is, but yeah, I yeah, I take your point. Um, Tough sheet, however, is a fantastic name for a football ground. I feel like there should be many more of those types of grounds around the country. It's interesting though, Sam, you mentioned there that, um, you know, we did well in the attacking sense in terms of scoring against uh, 10 men. Now, just to play devil's advocate, we, once that, once that game changed after four minutes, yes, the game took a little while to settle back down, but actually first half, I thought we were really, really poor, particularly progressing through that final third. And we peppered their goal with shots, as you would expect, because they were always going to defend anyway, even with 11 men. But our, again, our shooting accuracy for that second game was was poor. 3-0 is on paper, of course, it's a great result. But it, it felt to me watching it like it could have been so much more. Yeah, but I think that's where the sort of time comes into it, right? Because we went a whole half without scoring. That's what we against 10. That's what we did on Saturday against against Bolton, just just first half and second half. So you do buy yourself that time and you do you do grind and wear your opponent down. So um, I think I think what was good is that we, you know, that we stayed we stayed patient. Um and yes, you know it's two only two nil right up until up until the end when they go down to nine men um, for two yellow cards in such a short space of time. But you know, I I think it was it was it was good and right that we stayed patient and knew that we had time on our side. Yeah, and Jared, I know you're not a you know you're not a, a stat man. I'd set up very carefully. You're not a statistics man in terms of uh, xG and all that nonsense as you've referred to it before. But interestingly, we have by far the highest XG of anyone else in this league in terms of expected goals, just you know, to, to clarify for you there. We're also the best at progressing through the thirds. Now, when you take all of that into account and look at the number of shots that we've had and the number of shots that we would be expected to convert, you'd have to say that actually we're quite impotent up front at the moment. Do you think that's a concern or do you think it's just, as Sam said there, perhaps the fact that it's kind of skewed against the fact we've played quite a lot of the last couple of games with against 10 men? Yeah, I may still think oh, that's a load of bollocks. But um, yeah, we have been poor up front. I mean, the, the game you're talking about, I, I went to watch that one and yeah, I thought we were absolutely shocking. Not just going forward, just stringing passes together. Just, everything looked clumsy. And um, yeah, it was very disappointing. But yeah, I mean, it could be it could be down to obviously um, with the opposition going down to ten men, um, it, it could have a say in the in the shitty stats. The shitty stats. That's uh, that's Jared's hot take on statistics. Uh, what stats do you pay attention to, Jared? Is it just goals and league table? Is that that's pretty much it, isn't it? That's the one, mate. The important ones, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. No, but it does. I mean, Sam, you you you're a football purist. You're you're back me up here. It does. I know you love a stat, particularly on on X or Twitter, whatever we're calling it now. Um, I think you have to call it tw- uh, X, formerly known as Twitter, don't you? Right, that seems okay. to be the standard definition these days. We'll do that. X, formerly known as Twitter. Uh, you, I mean, is it a concern the fact that we we're creating, we seem to be creating chances, but maybe we're not converting as many as we should. Whether you as a fan like those stats or not, I think you'd like to think that the club are paying attention to them and the, you know, because they are useful because it shows you that, okay, you're either, you know, 
if if you have a low xg but you're doing really well and you're scoring above that then you know that you're finishing some hard chances and you've got good strikers and finishing is their quality and you maybe need to work on creating more um whereas if you have what you know clearly posh have by the sounds of your stats tim is that we we are we are expected to score more than we are scoring then we're wasteful and we need to work on our finishing you know and creating isn't necessarily the issue we're managing to again combined with the other stat get through the thirds get to their end of the pitch quickly um, and create those chances that you'd expect us to score and we're not finishing them and putting them away so that also helps obviously drive your recruitment in in january so yeah i think whether you like them or not and i know xg jared and i think it's micka richards on five live he absolutely despises xg as well so um yeah i know uh, i know that they can go either way um but i think you would like to yeah think that they're useful for for the people that matter um, at football clubs yeah and of course i think pretty much all professional clubs now have entire departments around the the science of football and those stats and statisticians that feed into to all of that i guess i suppose for me some it's that final third where there's that you know we 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 pass well out of the back and ironically looking at the stats as much as we all berate uh, burrows at left back the vast majority of our attacking players down that left side uh, when him and jones are playing the passing accuracy and the uh, attacks down the left are by far greater than the right. So actually, I wonder if there is something there and it's just that final ball. Now, whether that's down to Ricky J. Jones's decision-making, I suspect it may be, or if it's down to maybe JCH not getting themselves into those right positions, I don't know. But it feels like maybe there's just that one missing piece up front and were that to slot into place, actually, we could be onto something with this team. I think it, it's interesting to, to to mention Burrows in terms of the left hand side and how Posh are performing because the WhatsApp message from the start of the show talked about Burrows and dropping him for a few games, and I think the Bolton game summed up Harrison Burrows at left back perfectly for me, and it's something we talked about pre-season when he was handed the number three shirt and the indication was he was going to be playing more defensively through the season as a left back, and, and we talked about how if Obviously, this was when JCH at the time was still was still staying, and and there hadn't been sort of substantial movement. You know that that is a tried and tested successful method for Posh Burrows crossing it in, whipping it in from just outside the eighteen yard box on the left. You know, from a deeper position, he's not a get to the byline type of winger. Harrison Burrows, he's a get someone ahead of him, play the ball back, and he'll he'll whip it in, and and Clark Harris will be there or thereabouts, and that's how we scored our goal. The quality of Burrows with his delivery. Um, now, you look at the goal we conceded, it's the question marks over Burrows as a left back because he gets cut inside, gets turned inside out and his positioning isn't necessarily as defensive or as square on as you would expect a left back to be. So, you know, within the space of a few minutes, we saw the best of Burrows in terms of an attacking player, but maybe where he needs to work on defensively. Um, and, you know, I don't know how much he's played at left back sort of through the academy games when he was coming through the ranks at posh but you know we have as a as a first team player generally seen him in in an attacking left role or as a number 10 so it's um yeah i'm not surprised to see that we we the majority of our attacks are formed down that left hand side um because because that's where you know he's he's probably got that more more ability more forward thinking to to, to get forward but then there are maybe question marks um, at, at the back and, and hopefully that's something and I'm sure he, he will be working on. Well, were you, have you been surprised in terms of Zach Sturge coming in 
Burrow's holding his place? Were you, were you expecting Zach to step into that role? Um, I don't know because Darren Ferguson likes Harrison Burrows. You know, he clearly he clearly rates him, and and you know, I I agree. I think I think there's a real player in Burrows, um, and I I think you'd always prefer your own player to a to a lone player now that question might come at, at some time it might already be there and Dan Ferguson might already be thinking about that but I think your preference would always be to go for your own player um over a lone player yeah interesting uh what have you made of of Burroughs these last couple of games Jared because I say he has made the league one team of the week and as Sam uh summed up there nicely against Bolton he's been he's been he's been more solid he's been more consistent but there's still those vulnerabilities yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I like him at left back. I do. And for the reason Sam said, he's delivery. I think he's he's the best then. He's got the best delivery in the in the squad by a mile. So yeah, I do like him there. Like you say, he's got yeah, he has he is quite vulnerable um defensively. But again, we're presuming it's pretty much of a new position for him. He may not have played it in the academy and it's gonna take him time to to master. So no, I'd be sticking with him. Um definitely a left back. I'm going to disagree with you both, I'm afraid, here. For me, it's not happening. This is very much, in my opinion, a case of we've get, we've got to keep him in the squad because he's one of our own and he's potentially an asset, right? So we're putting him in a position that sort of matches his ability. I completely agree he's the best DM crosser of the ball we've got in the squad. But are we getting that from left back in this formation and the way that we're playing? I don't think we are. Uh, I feel like he should be further up the pitch, whether that be... A change of formation, wherever it might be. For me, he'll always be a number 10. But if we're going to put him out on the wing, he shouldn't be a left-back. Yeah, but do you not think that we've, we've had him in the number 10 role and he was largely ineffective? I do. I, I take your point, I do. But I saw more potential in him there than I will ever see in him at left-back. He's not, he's not defensively minded. He doesn't have that grit or that intelligence to play that position. His strength, if you're not going to play him at a 10, is being a wide playmaker because of his ability to cross the ball, whether that be a live ball or a dead ball. So if you if you're gonna play him on a on a on the on the flank, it's gotta be further up the pitch. I would have him where Jones is all day long. All day long. Yeah, I mean I don't have it I know Dara, I think he prefers him in the middle. He sees him as a centre and midfielder, not for me. I don't think he's physical enough. Um so yeah, I mean left wing Again, that, that's an option, isn't it? But certainly down that left, either left back or left wing would would uh, would suit me. I think we've seen because we have seen Burrows in the Championship season a couple of times. He popped up at left back, didn't he? I remember the game against QPR when he marked a Doma, one of the best right wingers in the league at the time, out of the game. He was he was incredible because I you know I agree with what you've both been saying. He doesn't he, you know he's not a player that you immediately look at and think, "Cool, that's a you know real physical player." He's not particularly groundbreakingly tall he's not particularly groundbreakingly strong but he matched a doma then and I think the qualities he has are his delivery which we've talked about so you don't have him centrally you have him wide and his touch and his work rate so having him as a wide player makes sense because those players need to get through a lot of a lot of work rate so yeah I think you've, you've got to try and maybe get him into the into the side but you know obviously if you're saying there Tim it's Jones or Burroughs they're obviously two very different players to play wide up top on the left and two very different styles then of playing your football 
Yeah, I feel like we've 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 talked Harrison Burrows pretty much every episode so far this season. I kind of feel like I know Harrison Burrows and Ricky J Jones personally. The amount. That Do you know what time they wake up as well, Tim? Uh, te- are you going to text them? I can, but legally, I'm I've, I'm on a you know a non disclosure agreement, so I can't actually discuss what time they wake up in the morning. Picture the scene: all of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Let's talk about the other side of the pitch, though. I know we've talked about Kyoso a lot in terms of, yeah, this kid's great, he's got real potential. But thinking a bit further ahead, and Poku, who I've been... I've been quite disappointed with so far this season. I don't feel like we've had enough from him. And maybe that's in keeping with the fact that the vast majority of our attacking players have been down the left. But have either of you been, do either of you share that sentiment that, that Poku's not been anywhere near where he was last season and is maybe part of the reason why we're kind of lacking that finesse up front? I think he causes teams problems, doesn't he? He's a lively player. Um, but often his end product, whether it's a cross or or a shot is obviously wayward. But again, he's a young lad. He's playing in League One. That's that's to be expected. Um, I, I like Poku. I get it. He's not kicked on maybe like we thought he would. Um, but I still think he's been he's been one of our live wires this season, to date anyway. I think Poku probably sums up where we are as a team in terms of at our, at our best, we can be very, very good. And look at the Barnsley game away. And, and Poku was brilliant when he when he worked hard and finished for his goal. Um, but we know Poku, you know, the performance levels can really swing even from week to week. And we've, we've seen that with our results and our performances so far. I think, I think numbers wise, he's, he's improving. If you look at goals and assists so far this season, um, as an average compared to last season, you know, if he carries on at this rate, he's, he's going to do better and, and perform more in, in that regard. Um, and you just have to hope the consistency will come. Fingers crossed. Uh, last game that we've played since we last recorded, Posh won, Orient won. Uh, what did we make of this one? Uh, you have to put it down as a disappointing draw, don't you, this one? Yeah, these these are the games where if you're going to be up there at the top of the season, I mean, I know it's easy to say, right, against a promoted team at home that they're the games you should be winning. But I think, you know, the disappointing thing from Posh's perspective was that it, you know... It's another game where we've taken the lead and not taken all three points, and you know you you don't. That's sort of ruthlessness that you, or lack of ruthlessness that you wouldn't associate with the team that's necessarily going to be to be up there. You know you will look back at some of these points and think you know, obviously you know you could, any team can look back at the season and think oh, if we'd have picked up an extra point there or an extra two there, then then would be three four places high. You know we wouldn't have got relegated or we'd have been in the playoffs or would have been in the automatic. So it's just a shame to see us you know against 
Derby and then, you know, whatever happened in, in that first half and, and Portsmouth. Um, okay, but they're away games. So extremely disappointing that at home when you when you take the lead, you you can't then go and see it out. Yeah, you've got to hold it. It was there was a, a positive I took from this. So I actually thought uh, Fergie was quite reactive here, and I know he's been criticised for being quite slow to react previously. But it was it was became apparent quite quickly, particularly after they equalised, that this wasn't a game for our kind of pass and move type football. It was more of an old school kind of battle because they were they were better in the air or were were more intelligent on the ball they were getting themselves into some good positions to break us down and stop us going forward and what we saw was a a double substitution at half time um it felt like Fergie had a plan B and as he's often been accused of not having that but Jared it, it still turned out to be quite a, a dull lifeless second half so reactive maybe but does he have do, do you think he's got enough options in the squad in terms of being able to change these games that really we should be winning no not really i mean i think the best option off the bench is ricky j jones but obviously he's been starting recently he gives you that injection of pace doesn't he but um no when he's starting if you're looking at the bench there's, there's not much to come on is there obviously wakelin he come on uh v cheltenman he looked quite lively um i was impressed with his with his work right i think he's gonna be one of them Strikers who are just running down the channels constantly and you know, non stop kind of attributes to him, but um, yeah, I, I think our squad it isn't great, is it? Um, and that's why I think a lot of the fans' expectations this year uh, have been you know, uh, measuring up to that because yeah, it's I think the squad depth, although it's better now than it was you know, during the transfer window, it has improved. Um, yeah, there's not many options from the bench. Yeah, and it was uh, we saw Wakeland actually make his his debut in this uh, in this Orient game. He's, I mean, what have you you made of him, Sam? And I guess along the same lines of Wakeland, what have you made of De Havilland? Because obviously he's now had a couple of cameo appearances, but in this Orient game specifically, he was hoiked off at half time rather unceremoniously. And that's always difficult, isn't it, for a new player when you when you're in that situation? So so hopefully he has the resilience to to sort of bounce back. But um, yeah, I think the Wakeland one was. Swindon fans were sort of saying how odd it was, wasn't it, that we went for him rather than the other player, uh, Young, I think it is, who'd had an electric start to the season. But of course, he might not have been up for up for grabs um, by Swindon. So, um, yeah, I I, I think um, we just need to to wait and see more of them, don't we? It, it, it's funny. I was listening, you know, midweek to, to to some of the Champions League games on Five Live and commentator said about how Hoyland for um for Manchester United Rasmus Hoyland if that's how you pronounce it um well, he hasn't scored yet and it it was his third game so he played two <laughs> games in 10 minutes and they were saying how he hadn't scored yet so yeah i think i think a bit of time needed yeah and it's trying, i think it's also going to be a case of trying to find um de Havilland's best role alongside Wakelin. I kind of feel like the pair of them, it's, I know Wakelin obviously, you know, still relatively fresh in the building, but Davlin's been there a while. It's where does he fit in? Is he alongside Kipriano um, in that Collins role? Is he a little bit further forward? I'm still, still sort of unsure with him. Yeah. Well, that's been the most consistent part, hasn't it? Of, of the team selection so far has been that sort of Kipriano and Collins midfield anchor mm-hmm. um, and, and those two working together. Um, so yeah, I think that's the the part of the pitch, obviously as, as well as the goalkeeper. Um, but yeah, that's the sort of partnership that has remained really untouched so far. 
you read my mind there, Sam, because uh, you say about the goalkeeper. Bilo's been criticised for the last uh, the last few games. There's been a couple of mistakes, and actually, what we've seen is um, Fintoli coming in. Uh, we've got at the time of recording, so we're due to play the League Cup game tomorrow against Mansfield, and we would potentially expect him to to play in that one, uh, Tally. So do you feel like maybe he's pushing Bilo out of that number one spot or is it still Bilo's jersey? I'd, I'd expect Bilo to start against uh, against Mansfield in the Cup. Um, I think probably because, you know, it's third round now and there's a potential plum tie in the in the fourth round, he'll he'll back his his first choice keeper, but it, it it's just one of those things, isn't it? We're just still so early in the season, really, and um, you know there's some, been some big statements made about about Bilo. There were some big statements made by some fans against the Barnsley game, and I just think we've been here before, guys. We've had strong starts before, and it's all gone, it's all crumbled. Like if you've learned one thing, being a posh fan over the past ten years, surely it must be that. So. Yeah, hopefully, you know, we get we get that consistency. We we saw it obviously, didn't we, with Bergstrom last season where an electric start to the season, some incredible saves, and then it all sort of went a bit downhill from there. So yeah, let's hope let's hope he can he can bounce back. I mean, the one against Northampton was a bit of a freak, but it's it shouldn't it should never be happening. And and that was obviously part of then a, a bad run. And like I said, that's one of those ones where Nil Poise should be should be one point and it all adds to the total and keeps the to use cricket terminology keeps the scoreboard ticking over. Yeah, absolutely. And uh Jared, it is still early in the season, but actually we've played nine games now, which is what's that? So let's do nineteen point five percent of the season done. So actually we're nearly a fifth of the way through uh the season there. We'd have to give a toes out for that one as well. Um so I feel, Jared, like we can start to make a, a full assessment of this team. We currently sit eighth. Now, pretty much everyone else uh, just outside the playoffs has only played uh, eight games. Obviously, we've played the nine. Um, 14 points. And I guess it's like Sam said there, you know, you look at the Northampton game, that probably should have been been more the, the Orient game we've kind of talked about. How are you feeling now that we've played 19.5% of the season? Yeah, as expected, really. Like, like we said earlier, it's um, you know it's, we're very much building a bit of a team, and I don't know. I'm struggling to get excited because I just feel like January is going to be so destructive with um, Edwards potentially going in and Clark Harris as well that we're going to be at square one again. Um, you know, certainly up up top because I feel like we'll play Clark Harris until he leaves. So um, yeah, obviously time will tell on how we how we perform until then, but. I've not been too disappointed. We've had some really good performances, haven't we? And, and some good passages of play. And, you know, some games I've watched, um, the possession of the ball has been brilliant. You know how I hate that pissing about at the back. But some of it has been really, really good to watch. So there's definitely patterns of play that we've looked at and, you know, look good on the eye. So um, I trust in what Ferg is doing. Um, he can only, you know, do with what he's got. Um, and, yeah, it would be exciting to see where we can get to. I just realised you're the Steve Evans of the yellow block. With doing all this nonsense, messing about at the back. Just no, it's, listen. You said that last time, and I don't. I'm not one of these. I don't want to watch like a Sam Allardyce team, and it's just you know you're getting a crook neck. Um, but I don't well, like. Surely you're not, Jared. You're the only one who doesn't get a crook neck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't like it. I think football can be overcomplicated, and it happens a lot. Um, obviously, with, with the foreign coaches that come in, and don't get me wrong, a lot of them have great success with it. But I think at our level, you really can overcomplicate football. 
fair enough. It's hard to disagree, particularly when we we start looking at the numbers and uh, XG and all that kind of stuff. I know, I know how much you love it, really, Jared. That's why, actually, that's why you never got on with Football Manager, isn't it? Because it's a lot more technical than uh, FIFA. Hundred percent. I I brought it a little while ago, and this stuff you have to deal with. I, I didn't even understand some of the words. So yes, for me, no, no, I stick to a career mode on FIFA. Well, like words like new game and enter. Exactly. And yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, it's far too in-depth for me, that. Some exciting news, though, Sam. Uh, slightly more light-hearted news. Peter Burrow has returned to action, albeit as a, uh, a soft restart. Uh, do you think Skipman, the new hero of the season, should be worried at Peter Burrow's return? Oh, they're all a friendly bunch, aren't they? It was my... Um... I don't know if this is indoctrinating or not, but my, <laughs> I was in the supermarket with my youngest. This is on the theme. It is relevant of, of Peterborough, I promise. And we were walking through the supermarket and uh, there was a stand and it was full of Duracell batteries and the Duracell bunny was on the side. And my little kid pointed at it and said, look, it's Peterborough. He thinks every rabbit is Peterborough. And because our um, WhatsApp group chat, the image, uh, in respect to the great... Um, human-sized rabbit is is of peterborough my kids always think peterborough is texting me oh that's very sweet and actually it turns out just to be me at two in the morning trying to work out who's waking up at first isn't it it's not quite as exciting i suppose you have to be careful i suppose you have to be careful when you're out and about in the car you know and you're trying to keep the kids entertained if you come across a bit of roadkill uh that could potentially create quite a an awkward conversation if they feel like every rabbit is peterborough i i i I feel like it's not every I can rephrase that. It's not every rabbit. <laughs> every rabbit that is significantly sized like a human. I wonder how many other giant rabbits there are. I'm trying to fit the Duracells one. And uh, yeah, Jared, don't. I know what you're thinking. Get your mind out the gutter for once. Come on. Uh, hmm. Interesting, though. Um, so, in terms of summarizing these last three weeks, happy, unhappy, somewhere in the middle. Somewhere in the middle for me. Yeah, somewhere in the middle. Somewhere in the middle, we will take. Uh, looking ahead then, so we've got the cup game uh, that we talked about. So by the time this is making its way into your ears, uh, that will have been played. So we won't talk uh, about that one. Uh, looking ahead, though, we are at home to Brovers next Saturday uh, before we then have a long, long Tuesday night trip up to the northwest away at Carlisle. And then Lincoln at home. Jared, that's a fixture that has uh, certain resonance with yourself, uh, the Lincoln game. Uh, but what we're looking for then from those three games. So what we've got, nine points. Oh, I'm good with this quick maths this evening. Nine points at stake. Bristol Rovers at home. Carlisle away. Lincoln at home. Jared, how many are you looking for from that? In an ideal world, you want seven out of that, don't you? I think. Realistically, though, do you think seven? No, probably four, but I'm hoping for seven. Well, there you go, Sam. Sorry to bring this back, but I agree with Jared. That's exactly what I was thinking. Seven and four. Honestly, um, yeah. You two should just, at this point, I feel like you should just, you know, get a room. It's a bit um, fence-sitting, isn't it? We're saying we're going to win one, draw one and lose one. And we said we were somewhere in the middle before. So I think basically <laughs> we're just going to sit on that fence for Would another you- couple of weeks. If, if you're losing one, though, where are you? Lo- you losing Tuesday away at Carlisle? Because you can't lose at home to Bristol Rovers or Lincoln. Can you if we're expecting to do something this season? But I don't think any of us are expecting us to do anything this season. Look at the predictions we made at the start of the season. Look at the general feel amongst the posh fan base. I think, you know, four or five points would be about where we think, you know, 
on the whole, we're going to finish. If we're getting six or seven, then we're probably, you know, that we're above average and that sort of playoff form. So, you know, you then you'd credit Fergie for, for doing a, a fantastic job with the resources he has. Yeah, I actually think we're going to get nine points out of these. Uh, if we're going to drop points anywhere, it'll be Carlisle away. Uh, that was a horrible Tuesday night away game. Uh, but um, I think I think we're going to I think we're going to go on a run now. I really do. I feel like something's going to click up front, and it's you know it's unlike me to be optimistic. So the fact that I'm being optimistic, yeah, what's going on? Should fill everybody with. Uh, it's with that sleep med- deprivation, isn't it? Again, it, it could be. It could be that. It potentially is. Uh, whilst you're on then, Sam, uh, just very quickly as a closing topic, we wish to revisit the Yellow Blocks Greatest Eleven, And we got a load of shit for doing this uh, when we did it years ago. We did it during lockdown. Um, everyone seemed to forget the fact it was the Yellow Blocks Greatest Eleven rather than Posh's Greatest Eleven. Um, we popped this out during lockdown. We were releasing loads of extra episodes to try and give folks something to do. And not all heroes wear capes, but you're welcome. Uh, since then, obviously, we've gained three hosts, uh, Dan, Nathan and yourself, Sam. So over the course of the season, we will get your thoughts and then settle the Greatest Eleven once and for all current greatest 11 goalkeeper was David Seaman. Uh, the only rule that we have in place, Sam, is that you must have seen them play. Now, the reason that Seaman made it into the squad was because Kisby was old enough to watch Seaman play. Uh, so who would be your greatest goalkeeper for the Yellow Blocks greatest? You, you can't just spring a question on me like that. Without, I you know. can. Well, yeah, fair enough. Host, <laughs> host, host of the year, you can do what you want. Uh, and you do what you want, even if you weren't. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've seen Seaman play, but just not for posh or live. <laughs> hey, that shirt home. you've got on, actually, that was that was well, a Seaman era shirt. That was that was that was the lob, wasn't it? Uh, it was. No, that was no, that was two thousand two. Sorry. Um, uh, right. Let's get back on track. Seaman. Uh, yeah, I mean, Seaman was probably more for his reputation, obviously after Posh, wasn't it? I guess. But if you're Asking me, it's going to have to be. While you're while you're thinking, oh. Sam, I'm going to go. Um, no, I'm going to. Yeah, go on, go on. Give me some. No, I'll give you some thinking time, Jared. We can reminisce here. Do you remember when we did this during lockdown and we uh, we had David Seaman as our uh, greatest eleven goalkeeper and um, we tagged him in a tweet about it and he thought, he, he, he was he thought that it was some um, like official club led actual accolade <laughs> and oh, quoted, it's terrible quoted a tweet about how much he loved his time at the club and how great it was and how much of an honor it was completely oh. missing the fact that it was just a fans podcast in fairness he did it again didn't he can you remember um they were play itv4 were playing replaying euro 96 and uh, you know the big fan park screens um someone had dubbed that over on one of uh seaman's penalty saves Dub that over and all the beer going up everywhere. He's like, oh my God, I can't believe so many people turned up to watch this replay. <laughs> like, no, mate. <laughs> Deary me. Oh dear. It was, uh, was uh, we, Mark Little did something similar as well. I know we tweeted him and he 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 brought on to it as well. But there we go, Sam. So uh, David Seaman is the current uh, goalkeeper. We, whoever it is, we'll tag them. So uh, they don't mind as well. Uh, who would your greatest 11 goalie be? Let's uh, well, if you're going to tag them and there's a high chance they might respond, let's go for Will Norris and see what happens. Well, <laughs> could you imagine if we put Will Norris in the greatest 11? Um, fun fact I used to live on the same street as David Seaman's nephew, so there you go. Well, I mean, you say fun facts, um, it's a fact, I suppose. So, you know, I, I mean, I think Can you see why I hate facts and stats now, they're all shit. 
judging judging by our whatsapp chat content guys that was quite fun um <laughs> i think i'm gonna have to go for because of his record over time it's gonna have to be mark tyler for me fair enough i vaguely remember a lot of the fans making that same claim uh when we did this a few years back uh, but there we go then so we will revisit this he will go into the pot uh, and we will get dan and nathan's input on other positions over the course of the season. Uh, back on topic, any other business either of you lads would like to talk about before we wrap up and pop this one in the can? This is hopefully more more fun or funny. Have you seen this news about this um, this person who's built London Road out of Lego? Yes, and it's an incredible achievement, isn't it's, it? It looks, it looks amazing, but I, I, I found particularly funny one comment on social media that said, I bet it falls apart after Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably accurate. Jared, what's the best thing you've ever built out of Lego? I guess it's probably just like a cube or something, is it? Yeah, if that, to be honest, man. I did a tower once. Um, a tower. It's difficult, isn't it? It's very difficult. You've got to be creative. My lad loves Lego, but yeah, he's better at me. Listen to me. He's better at building than I am, put it that way. Did you say you've built a towel out of Lego? I, no, a tower. Just literally like a block, but many blocks on, on each other. Uh, it's better than just a square, isn't it? It's better than just a little block. I built yeah. it high. Was it oh. yellow? Oh. Oh. No, it wasn't, but next time I do it, it will be. Next time I do it. I uh, built a swimming pool out of Lego when I was younger, and I thought I was the cleverest child ever. So I built like a a square, I guess, out of blocks and then used a sandwich bag to fill the square and then built more blocks on top so the sandwich bag was wedged in, filled it with water and had a little little Lego swimming pool, which, uh, I mean... You didn't try and dive in it yourself, did you, Tim? No, I didn't, but I feel like that was possibly one of my greatest life achievements, the fact that I came up with... thing is, it wasn't when you was a kid either, was it? It was last week. It was. It's, it's actually just off off screen uh, <laughs> at the moment. I, I want to get back to. Is this what we're sure. going to pitch for? What uh, for WhatsApp voice notes on? What's the best thing you've ever built out of Lego? <laughs> I can see the sandwich bags in the kitchen. Still got them out. Yeah, I didn't quite get them away. Uh, yeah, no. If you do want to uh, get in touch and say you've got the the speedpipe.com forward slash yellow block, let us know. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Yellow Block. We'll be back with a new episode later on in the week to preview the Bristol Rovers and Carlisle fixtures. Follow us on the socials and visit our website www.theyellowblock.co.uk. Up the This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them, honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.